I would like to uh, bring a word to you this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. And if you have your Bibles, please open them to John's Gospel, chapter 8. It's a very, uh, very interesting story. Uh, uh, in fact, hold on. Uh, a story that uh, Jesus got uh, uh, was in problem, actually. Jesus, uh, let's read that. I have somebody reads in my church, so. Well, here's the story. And the story is, one day, the Pharisees and the scribes um, got a woman caught up in the adultery. And uh, they had stones in their hands. And everybody said, This woman is caught up in the adultery. According to the law, she must be punished. She must be killed. And this is a story that all of us know. And Jesus bent down and wrote on the dirt, on the sand. And after the writing is over, we all know all left one by one, beginning from the oldest to the youngest. And Jesus looked at that lady who was to be condemned and said, where are they? She said, they're gone. And Jesus said, I also will forgive you. Sin no more. A simple story. This is actually a story in John's Gospel chapter 8. That was added in the Bible later on. Until the 4th century AD, this story was not in the Bible. And then again in the 11th century AD, again, until then it was doubtful, it was finally got its, its status in the Bible. I'm not going to go and explain all the theological reasons why this particular text was not added And is it in the Bible or not? Yes, it is in the Bible. That's why we see this passage. So I'm going to skip away all that thing. If you want to know more about that, you got to go to the Bible school or you got to read for yourself why all the theological reasons. But we all know the story. It's a very familiar story. The theme that I would like to talk to you this morning is dropping... Your stones, dropping your stones. When I say the stone, means I have a stone. The purpose that I'm going to use it is to throw at somebody. I don't like you. I have something against you. I want to hurt you. Dropping your stones. And the people that were gathered here around Jesus and around this particular lady, woman caught up in the adultery, 
there's a lot of people around there and everybody had stones in their hands they wanted to throw the stones on this but on this accused lady and they wanted to kill her because she was doing something sinful that was she was caught up in adultery the context here is the scribes and the pharisees the religious leaders the teachers of the law brought this woman who was caught up in the adultery now this is a man's judgment by the way when a man judges a person if i got to judge another person i judge that person according to my rationality i won't be fair in my judgment to you if that person that i'm judging is a friend of mine or it's the one that whom i favor then my judgment will be in one format if the person that is sitting there whom i don't like he is my enemy then my judgment will be in a different form man's judgment most of the time is biased no matter how spiritual you are how long you have been coming to the church our judgment mostly are partial this lady here was put into shame and she was degraded in reality the whole intention of the people the pharisees and the scribes bringing jesus is not only to kill her or to throw stones at her ultimately killing her but what they had in mind was the pharisees and the scribes didn't like jesus so they had a whole intention it's like a bait to catch the fish they wanted to throw stones at jesus their ultimate motive is to kill jesus so they're using her as a bait that's why they came here and asked her and asked him this is what the law says this is what she did this is what the law says therefore can we kill her can we throw stones at her they knew that jesus would say don't throw stones at her so if he says throw stones at her then he will be unpopular number 1 and number 2 they will throw stones at her on the basis of what jesus has been said and they will report it to the roman government that this man is acting according to the roman government because none of the jewish people have authority to kill somebody <coughs> they can take the person to the roman government roman council and say this is against the law therefore this person needs judgment we want to kill her and then the roman government would say okay go ahead and do whatever you want that's what happened when jesus died too we all know that but if he would have said yeah go and kill her then they all will throw stones at her because they're ready to do, to do the judgment and then they would say it is because of you <coughs> this woman is killed and ultimately the roman government will punish him if he says no we cannot throw stones at her he's in trouble again he will become unpopular and they say he's acting against the law you see that how man's wisdom goes either way 
Jesus is in trouble. They want to put Jesus in trouble. You can play with men, but you can't play with God. You start the game, God knows how to finish it. A lot of Christians think they know how to play the game. How to play the game. A lot of individuals think they know how to play the game. God is the one who created games. Whether football or basketball. Or any game that you start in your, from your own personal life. God knows good ending to that. He's the lady, she's accused, she's condemned. One side. Here are the religious leaders. Here is the law that says you need to kill the people who are caught in act of adultery. And there's a mob that was coming against this lady. And the people from the society has joined the mob. And all of them were there. I want you to understand that. The religious leaders, the accused person, the law, and people from the society, they all joined. And they came to Jesus. My focus this morning is that how the judgment that Jesus gives here, the woman that is accused, or the Pharisees and the scribes that are giving a wrong message, judging the law, the Bible in a wrong way, see that how it, 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 how it revolved with our own lives as we sit and listen to the message this morning. There were three simple things I would like to speak to you this morning. Number one, how Jesus handled the accusers. And number two, how Jesus handled the sinful woman or dealt with the sinful woman. Number three, don't do it. Don't do it. Your life is different. Very simple outline. How Jesus handled the accusers, the Pharisees and the scribes. And how Jesus handled the sinful woman. And then, don't do it. Let's go to the first one. Handling the accusers. The accusers were ready to throw stones at her. At this woman. But I want you to understand it as I had narrated the whole background that they have the stones to throw at this woman, the accuser, the one that was caught up in that was caught in prostitution. But at the same time, they have a different agenda. They also have a different stones that they wanted to throw and kill Jesus. They want to throw stones at this lady in order to kill her. And also they wanted to throw stones at him, at Jesus, by false accusation either way. And ultimate goal is that they want to kill Jesus because they don't like him. In reality, there are two kinds of stones that they had in their hands or in their lives. Number one, there are seen stones that you see them in their hands. And there are unseen stones. That they couldn't see. There is a plan that they're working out. One is seen and another is unseen. Seen are the real ones. And unseen stones are words, lies, accusations and false witnesses. See that? Seen are aimed at this woman. And unseen are aimed at Jesus. Both are stones. And both are to kill one person. 
lot of times in our church, we look at this passage and say, it is so awful to have a judgment like that. We may not have a real stone in our hand to throw at people, but we do have some stones in our hearts. We speak lies and we propagate lies about the people whom we dislike, and we know that. They're in our hearts, in our personalities, in our very beings, and in our mouths. We say wrongly about a person. We lie against a person. In reality, often, sometimes church people speak nonsense about some people. Are you with me? And we know that. You blame another person with the thing that he or she did, or she did not do it. And we know that because we don't like the person. We say, have you heard such and such person did like this? And then we spread the false news. And we say, yeah, I didn't hear about it. And we go and gossip about the person about whom we heard. Finally, you confront that person, ask him or her and say, have you seen that person doing that? No. Then why are you saying that? So-and-so told me. Even without confrontation, we say that, we accept that, and we promote it. That's one part of it. There's a second part of it. Maybe the other person had really made a mistake. Let's say we throw stones at people that didn't make a mistake we heard, and then we speak all kinds of lies. We bear false witness, which is against one of the Ten Commandments. Do not bear false witness. And we lie. In reality, we are killing the person. We are assassinating the character of that person. What happened to Joseph when Potiphar's wife lied? This Hebrew boy insulted me. Boom, the action. He was in jail. He was in prison. Yes? We may, the other person may not be in prison, but... The other person is affected. The other person is affected. I heard a story. Actually, I read it that couple of days back. That there was some guy that was speaking against his neighbor who is an young person. And then finally, the rumors were so bad that they, he was taken to the court. And the judge asked the accuser, the person that was accusing his neighbor, why did you say all those bad things? He simply said, no, I accused. That's all. It's lies. It's nothing. I don't like him. I just basically said. And the judge said, he gave a paper and said, you tear that into pieces. And as you go home, throw them away. Come tomorrow. And he comes next day. And the judge asked him, go and bring all the pieces of paper and make it one. So I can't do that. They're gone. They're gone to different places. And the judge said, that's what you have exactly done to this young man. You have assassinated the character of a person and that cannot be, that cannot come back. The character will not come back because you have done so much, so much damage to that person. This is one side of it. But also there is another side of it. Maybe the other person about whom we speak, bad. He did something wrong. He made a mistake. He committed sin. 
But I want you to understand it. There are times that you and I did many mistakes. Yes? We did many mistakes. We did many sins. We come to the church and confess those sins. And confess them in our private prayer life. We say, I have done this againest. And we seek for God's mercy and say, God have mercy on me. Because I am no good to receive your grace. I am to be condemned for the sin that I made it. We committed sins. We committed mistakes. And we say, Lord, I need your grace. Pour out your grace upon me and forgive me. Do not judge me according to my sin. See that? You made mistake. I made mistake. And we sought for God's grace. And we ask God not to judge us. But when other person had made the mistake, we say, you don't deserve the grace of God. You don't deserve my grace. You need to be punished. You know what is that called? Throwing stones. We must have been the persons stoned to death. But we received God's grace. We received grace. We want to be forgiven. Want to be forgiven. But we don't want to give the same grace to others. And as we move on this story. As he heard from the accusers. All these things. You know what Jesus did? He did something wonderful. Bible tells here. Jesus bent down. It's not the normal posture, but Jesus bent down. In fact, he knelt down. As soon as he heard their accusations, Jesus bent down to the ground, to the dirt, to the clay, and wrote something with his finger. That's For me, that's a beautiful picture for me. Jesus bent down to the ground. Jesus came down to the earth. For your sake and my sake. Now Jesus bent down, knelt down to the dirt. And in the eastern religions or in the eastern world, people don't bend down. On the dirt. They don't kneel down unless you pray. In the public, they don't do that. But Jesus did it. He knelt down. Actually, Bible tells he knelt down twice for for her sake. And he wrote something with his finger on the clay, on the sand. On the sand. He made his hands dirty. When he bent down to the ground. when When he put his finger On the clay, on the dirt, on the mud. The clay, the dirt, a part of the creation must have been so proud. The creator by whom I was created has touched me. And the creation was so grateful. I begin to think, how can Jesus write letters in a way that those people that are standing at the far can read these letters? I don't know, unless the creation had supported what the creator was doing. See that? What the creator was doing. Jesus bent down. Made his dance dirty. And did it. When I first went to Bible school. Back in India. 
the director of my Bible school at the time, we all went out for ministry one evening, which is part of the thing. He always wore a suit, by the way, the director. Always wore a suit every time he went. Every Saturday evening preaching the gospel. And there was a crowd, and people shared. And then, whoever come forward, he always wore a suit. Never without a suit he went. He knelt down and prayed for them in the dirt. In the dirt. I looked at him. That was my first year of the Bible college. And said, this man is the director of a college, president of a college. He wore a nice, beautiful suit. But he knelt down. None of the students knelt down. But he knelt down. And that picture is still with me. Still with me. I thought to myself, I would never do that if I wear that kind of nice clothes and a suit. In that dirt, in that sand, in that filthy place, I wouldn't kneel down. For him, his clothes were not necessary. It is for those people that have come and then kneeling down and praying for them. And that's what was important for him. Jesus bent down twice for the sake of this sinful woman. And he wrote something with his hand. Towards which the creation, the dirt, when in the beginning, when God created the earth, it was formless and white. Therefore, the dirt was created by the creator God. And that creator God, with his own finger, when he began to write, joined hands and so happy that I'm in the hands of the creator. The reason is, Jesus looked at the heart of this lady. And saw she was really repenting and realized she deserves forgiveness. Everybody saw the act, the evil act that she did. But she, but he had seen in her her repentant heart. And he right away comes to know that she deserves forgiveness. There are times, let me give you a quote. There are times... We don't say anything, but be quiet and let, let God handle it. There are times we don't say anything, we don't do anything. Quietly, we let God handle the situation. This lady couldn't say anything, couldn't do anything, but let God handle the situations. Had you been there in that situations? There are times nothing we can do. But we give those particular situations into God's hands and say, God, there's nothing I can do about it. And I give you, I give you that thing. Let you handle it. When the people of Israel were at the Red Sea, there was a Red Sea that they cannot move forward. And there was an Egyptian army behind. They can't go back. They were caught in between the two. And that narration was there to describe this story. A lot of times to describe our stories. We cannot move forward and we cannot back up. There is no way. There is no way we can handle some situations in our lives. And it is those situations like this lady. We need to turn them to God and say, God, I did all that I can. But there is no way I can handle the situation. I see no problem, no solution further down. There are times we don't say anything, we can't do anything. Quietly, we let God handle that. 
We don't know what he wrote, what Jesus wrote on the ground. But he bent down twice for the sake of this woman. As I said, bending down is dirty. And Jesus bent down for her sake. And he made his hands dirty for that woman. And he used that very dirt to write something of their inner hearts. That means he had seen what is going on in their inner hearts. And he wrote something, whatever he had written, of which we do not know. John does not describe it. But whatever he had written, that kind of pricked their inner hearts. We don't know. Some say it is their sins. We don't know. Some say it is the law. It is with the same law because they use something against her by using the law. And he probably might have used the same law to condemn, to see their situation. We don't know what he had written. But he had written something that really brought conviction to them. He said, whoever is sinless among you, throw stones at her. He wrote something down and he got up. But the accusers did not leave Jesus. He pursued. He persuaded him. And said, she did this. He knelt down second time and wrote and said, whoever is sinless, whoever is sinless, throw stones at her. We don't know what he wrote. But he wrote something that convicts these people that they're not worthy to throw stones at her. Further he said, let him who is without sin first throw stone at her. Let him who is without sin first throw stone at her. We all committed mistakes at one time or rather. It may not be the same mistake the other person has committed. You know, we see and we judge differently. See, one, let me give you an example. One may go to office late every day. But the other person that comes right on time, but he doesn't do his job properly. He's lazy in the work. So the person that comes on time looks at the other guy and says, you're always late. Who is at mistake? Who is at fault? Is both the mistake. One is lazy, one comes late. Maybe the one who goes late may be doing the work well. But you don't do it. One by one. Left. Beginning with the oldest to the youngest. You know why the oldest have left first? Oldest have more, are more experienced And more knowledgeable than the younger ones. The oldest ones have committed more mistakes because they have lived longer. They're more knowledgeable. They begin to see their inner lives. They begin to see their lives and the mistakes that have made with the convictions. With their experience. And they know that they deserve to be punished. The understanding of life and situation. It's different for the younger people. When, you, when we are young, we think differently. When we are matured, when we got some experience behind, we think differently. And the oldest ones, 
threw the stones, silently dropped the stones, and they left. And others have followed. In reality, their judgment itself was wrong. I told you man's judgment was partial. Because according to the law, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, book of Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, it's written here, when a man commits adultery with a woman, both of them shall surely be put to death. You understand that? I gave you two references. That's the losses. Deuteronomy 22, 22, Leviticus 20, and verse 10. When a man commits adultery with a woman, both of them should be brought down and should be stoned to death. But in reality, what they did was, they let the man go, they only let the woman come. Their judgment was wrong. That's number one. Remember I also told you in the beginning, this is, this is a secret plan that they're working against Jesus. So this is all a plot in reality. It's all a plot. They want to somehow rather accuse Jesus and they want to kill Jesus. So maybe it's my opinion, along with many commentators and scholars, that they choose a man and they said, go to such and such a person, and you commit adultery, see that what the religion does without truth? And then we will let you go, we will bring her in to Jesus. How do they know exactly that it is at that time Jesus was there teaching? The location where Jesus was. This is all a plot to get to Jesus. They're using her as a bait. And God knows the inner hearts of the people. And number two, their judgment is totally wrong. There is a sinful part in all of us that makes us believe that we are not the bad people. It's always my neighbors. Others are the bad people. Because we see others' mistake in a magnified glasses. And our mistakes... We don't see it. We see it in the mirror when we read and listen to the God's word. They say, this is common. Everybody has it. Common, everybody has it. And then we forget, even when we make big mistakes, we pray and confess and say that we need God's grace. But we fail to see the other person that had committed the same mistake that we have made. Although that is a big and gross sin, we say, you don't deserve, deserve God's grace. Because we justify our sin and ask for God's grace. And we don't justify their sin, although they confess and God gives them grace. See how are my operates. As we move on into the story. The second part. How Jesus handled the accusers. It's my prayer this morning. Let's not judge people. By the way they look. By the way they act. Even if you think they're sinful. They may be true. Remember. We are on the same path. And God was gracious to bestow grace upon us and to forgive us. Now how Jesus dealt with the sinful woman. 
totally different. Only God can do that. How Jesus handled the accusers. He didn't say much. He wrote. Said whoever didn't sin. Throw stones at her. And they all left. All these sto- stones dropped off. Now how Jesus handled. Or dealt. With the sinful woman. All men have accused her that were there. Have left one by one. She was left alone. Not alone. She was left alone with Jesus. She was left alone with Jesus. What a relief it might have been for the crowd of people to leave her. Jesus stood up and talked to her. When no one stands with you, there is one that always stands with you and me. We have a lot of examples in the Bible. Paul in his ministry was encouraging young Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 16 and 17 he says, At my first defense no one came to stand by me but all have deserted me. But may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. There are times as a Christian, we face lonely situations and people will desert. People that promise and say, I will be your best friend. Yeah, he will be your best friend for five or ten years. He may not be afterwards. Don't hold grudge against him because we have done the same. And there are times God will bring you into the situations so that we can fix our eyes and our minds on the true friend, Jesus himself. He is our true and the best friend. There are lonely times in our life. People that have been with us either have left or accused or won't see us. Other situations have allowed them to move away from our lives. You know, when David was fleeing for his life from King Saul, he was in the wilderness for a long time. He along with his friends and their families, there are a bunch of people. And one day, the enemies came, took all their wives, all their kids, all their belongings, all their property of David's friends and also David's. And when they came back, all the men came back, they saw their homes, their huts had been really destroyed. They see no wives, no kids, the property was damaged and taken. We find this in First Samuel chapter 30, a place called Ziklag. I call it a Ziklag experience that God gives sometimes to each of us. All the people that were supposed to be the friends that left everything to be with David in the wilderness, they all took stones to kill David because they saw David is as a person of fault, although it's not David's fault. None of them went to the Lord. None of them saw David also lost his wives. David also lost his sons. David also lost his property. But they all took stones and they wanted to kill David. And you know what David did? David was comforted by the word of God. And then he went and prayed in the presence of God for God's guidance. And he prayed specifically, Lord, 
I lost everything. Should I pursue them? The enemies that have taken everything. Or what should I do? Until he heard from God. Yes, go and pursue them. None of the men that were with David. So all came now. God arranged it so beautifully. So beautifully. That there's an old man from their army. Because he's old. They said, this fellow is no good for food. So they left him there. As they were going, they asked this old man, who are you? Well, I belong to so and so. Where did they go? They went this way. And David, along with this man, went against them. Got all that they lost. Their wives, kids, all the property. And beyond what they lost, they got more out of them. Jesus stood up and talked with her. There was nobody there, just Jesus and this lady. And he asked her a question. He said, where are they? Woman, where are your accusers? Wonderful question. Where are they? When Jesus asks you a question, not because he doesn't know the answer, but he wants to get a right answer from your heart. Don't fake it up. He knows the heart. When your teacher asks you a question, it's not because she doesn't know the answer. She knows the answer, but she wants to know what's, your right, what's the right answer that you give. When the creator asks you a question, when the omniscient, the God who knows all things, asks you a question, be careful how you answer it. He knows the answer, but he wants to get the truth directly from your inner heart. Women, where are they? And then she replied something very important. Jesus knew the answer. He had seen them leaving. This woman may not be seeing them leaving. Maybe she heard. Finally she knew because there was silence. She understood. But Jesus saw everything one by one leaving them. Going off. Your answer, whatever our answer is, that should agree with Jesus' truth. Jesus' truth. And she said, all have left. And Jesus asked her one more question. Has no one condemned you? Jesus looked at her heart and saw she was really repentant. And she realized she deserves forgiveness. Pharisees brought this woman condemning her to Jesus. They did not condemn the man who had sinned, but they let him go. They brought the woman alone (coughs) and condemned her. I just want you to understand this. The whole intention was they are condemning her. Please condemn me. They brought the woman of condemnation to the person who says that there is no condemnation with me. He banned condemnation for every person that comes to him. That's why Paul emphatically said in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. A condemned person. Brought to Jesus by the condemned people. So that He who said that there is no condemnation in me, they expected him to condemn her. 
out of all their expectations. Jesus said, I'm not here to judge the world. I'm not here to condemn the world. I'm here to save the condemned people. If you're here this morning, being guilty of something, of somebody, some church against you, Jesus tells you, I drop all charges against you this morning. I will not condemn you because you have come to me. I will not condemn you. Without any questions raised, I drop all charges. Would you like to accept that? Would you like to accept that? Did they not condemn you, woman? No, sir. They didn't condemn. I praise God for Jesus, what he did to her, but also what he did to me and you. And what he continued to do to you and me. A man can criticize, complain, and condemn. But it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. Let me, make, let me repeat the statement again. Someone can criticize, complain, and condemn. But it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. Nobody has condemned you. She bent down her head and said, No, sir. No, Lord. Nobody has condemned me. Now I want you to understand, we have come to the crossroads of the picture. The very, the theological foundation has been challenged here right now. Now the Pharisees, the accusers are gone. The sinful woman, according to the law, she should be punished. And Jesus did not die on the cross to release her. You see that? We look at the cross now. And say, Jesus, you died for me, for my sin, for all my faults. I will look at Jesus and say, because you died for me, because you took my condemnation, because you took my judgment, because you took my sin, you have forgiven me. We look at the cross. But for this woman, there is no cross at all. Jesus did not go to the cross at all. So Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law. And she did commit sin. Therefore, she should be punished. But remember, we are talking to the creator, the omniscient God. This woman is sinful. According to the law, she should be punished. But the way God handled the situation is so beautiful here. And he said, have they condemned you? She said, no Lord, they didn't condemn me. And Jesus' first words is, I will not condemn you too. Because she understood that he is the Lord himself, the Son of God, the very Messiah. And therefore, when he said, see it is in accordance with her belief. When the thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will be with me. With me in paradise. 
He understood the gospel. He understood that he is the son of God. He understood that he has the kingdom. As his kingdom is eternal. According to his belief. He said yes. What he believed his doctrine. And what Jesus did his doctrine. Are the same. What she believed. That he is the son of God. He has the ability to release me. When she believed that. Jesus looked at her and said. I will not condemn you too. I'm here on the earth to take off your condemnation, not only you, but many. Of course, Jesus had not gone to the cross to condemn her, to give condemnation to her sin. But he did not disobey the law. But cleverly, using the very law, as the Pharisees and the scribes used it in a perverted way, Jesus did not use the very law in a perverted way. Jesus took the very law and used it very wisely. He put them into the same condemnation with this woman. If this woman is condemned, you're also condemned. This woman did this kind of sin, therefore she's condemned. And we don't know what he has written on the ground, whatever it is, that convicted them and they left both in the same condemnation. So he's not breaking the law. He's fulfilling the very law. Jesus said, I will not condemn you too, because I operate on grace. I operate on grace. If you deserve condemnation, they also deserve condemnation. They were the ones who were accusing you. I'm not accusing you. They need grace. You need grace. They left without my grace, but I want to give you my grace. You can live with my grace. You understand that? That's the gospel. We a lot of times put ourselves in a better position. We say, I am better than you. No, we are not. Even the very concept The very idea itself, I am better than the other person itself, is sinful. And Jesus looked at her and said, but from now on, that's more important for us as Christians. But from now on, whatever happened so far, happened. It's done. It's over. Don't regret over the past. Don't regret over the past. I know you were in this business for whatever the reason. I understand. Jesus know more about her than you and me, than the Pharisees and the scribes. See, back in those days, according to the Jewish custom and according to the law, if women commit some, if an young girl commits a big sin, they should stone at her and kill her. Or if the father says, no, don't throw stones at her, let her live, then she's left alone. Either she could be a beggar or prostitute. We just celebrated Christmas. That was the story of Mary. She became pregnant before she got married. Joseph, the one who was betrothed to her, being a righteous man, Quietly, He didn't want to make a scene. He didn't want to go them and bring her to judgment among the villagers, among the town people. He said quietly, he wanted to leave. Everybody knew. Probably the elders of the village or the town might have come to Mary's parents and said, what is your daughter? I said, that's fine. If 
The father says, no, I don't want my daughter. She's stepped out of the house. She has only two choices. Either could be a beggar or a prostitute. Jesus knows why this woman was in that situation. But he said, from now on, whatever it is, whatever happened so far, your mistake, others' mistake, whatever it is, whatever happened, it's over. What's done is done. Because you have met me, the world, the past is gone. From now on, it's different. And then he looked at her, gives a command. It doesn't appear to be a command. It appears to be a silent, soft words. But there's a great command in it. He said, he looked at her and said, don't do it. Sin no more. Don't do it. Because you met me. Because I had given you grace. Because you found grace in me. I forgave all your past. I give you the power to live above the sin on which, in which you have lived so far. And I give you the provision to live in a nice, good, and a moral way. And you don't need to do it. Sin no more. These are the final words to her. And her life was different from that time onwards. Her life was different from that time onwards. Not because she met Jesus. But because whatever he said. She took that command seriously. Her life was different. It's not because we come to the church. It's not because we are religious people. It's not because we know about Jesus. But whatever Jesus said, it is in that grace that he has given us. If we operate in that grace, that makes us as a unique people and unique church. Unique people and unique church. I'd like to conclude this beautiful passage in which all of us are there. Maybe as religious people. Maybe as accusers. Maybe as this sinful woman. Maybe as a good person giving grace to people. Loving people. I don't know. Maybe in one character we may be up. In another character we may be less. But I want you to understand something here. In order to give a new life to this sinful woman, Jesus bent down, made his hands dirty, and wrote on the ground. But in order to take our condemnation away, give us a new life, Jesus went beyond, went beyond what she did to the woman. For her sake, he only knelt down and wrote on the ground. But for our sake, he not only knelt down, he knelt down in between heaven and earth and he hung on the cross. Everybody looked at her. Everybody looked at him. What kind of man is this? Some looked at him as the savior. Some said, you save the world, you save us. He was criticized, accused, and being blamed. Jesus went beyond any human being can go. 
and went through the humiliating death and died the worst death on the cross so that he could free us from the condemnation of this present life and the world to come for our sake he only played with the dirt went to the dirt and made his hands dirty but for our sake he not only made his hands dirty he went to the dirt himself and covered himself for 3 days so that he can not only give us hope for this world but he can give us hope for the eternal life for the life to come he was buried for us for this woman's sake he made his hands dirty for our sake he made his whole body dirty and covered himself in the mud for three days and that is the grace of god my point this morning to you having received this supernatural grace we are to be condemned but having received this grace god reminds each and every christian that we all have stones our duty is drop the stones drop the charges do you have anybody you want to kill anybody you have guns i know everybody keeps guns in the states <laughs> but you have you and i have more powerful guns the bombs that we have in our hearts would like to see that person dies we'd like to see that person is not blessed we have stones god says i gave you grace so that you can drop your stones if i don't look at you this morning with my grace even today you being my child i have to kill you but i look at you with my grace and if you have not embraced this grace you feel you're condemned you feel you're guilty and you feel you're worthless like this lady jesus tells my grace is available to you as it was available to this woman and there is no condemnation for her and there is no condemnation for you and as a christian yes if you come to me there is no condemnation for you for the things you feel guilty about drop your stones drop your charges come with a clean heart go to the person on whom we charge with the same grace as we have received by dropping our stones dear father we thank you for this beautiful morning we thank you lord for your grace that condemned the very condemnation in which we should have been perished and we thank you for that father as human beings weak a lot of times with our old nature we are alive with the things that we are to desert and we condemn people we look at people not the way you look at them but we look at them differently as if they deserve judgment that itself brings condemnation on us father 
We ask the Father as we partake in the Lord's Supper this morning. That you would look at us gracefully. Take away that guilt and condemnation. And make us free once again. We thank you Father. For freeing us. For freeing the woman. And for freeing us. Help us Lord to use our hands. Not to hold the stones. But to pray. Help us Lord not to use our hearts. For wicked plans. But Lord as your temple. So that you can live. Holy in our hearts Father. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.